uh, hopefully we are broadcasting now. Thank you very, very much for your patience. We've recorded a couple of intros to this now because we thought we were alive. We were not. But the good news for you watching this at home is that we're going to get straight into the games now because who needs an intro when we have 40 minutes left and so many fabulous games to talk about. And we are going to start by saying who we are. My name is Quinton Smith and I am joined by Ava Foxfort. Hi. And Tom Brewster. Hello. And now I'm going to go straight into talking about a game and not let those two lovely people talk because we have games to cover. And I'm going to start by talking about Fort from later games. So Fort is a lovely new card game from the same publisher who brought you Root and Vast. Uh, it's actually a new version of a game by Grant Rodiak called SPQF, which was about Romans who were animals trying to be the best Roman animals. But now Fort is about kids trying to be the best kids. But how do you be the best kids? Well, uh, this is a game about racing to build up your fort because you're all kids building forts. I mean, that's going to get you points, but hopefully you're going to get points along the way for little card combos that you'll hopefully be pulling off. Uh, now, the most important thing with Fort is do not let the idea of a card game full of kids lead you into thinking that this is a light game. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to get my one criticism out of the way early. Um, it's something I said in the Root review, which is that the first time I played Root, I found that as the person who taught the game, I struggled to enjoy it because I was watching everyone like a hawk because uh, I, I had to make sure they weren't making mistakes. You've got to play properly if you come round to Quinz's house. <laughs> Are you kidding, Ava? If anyone doesn't play properly, that is... I mean, it's just, nobody wants that, because then I just have to either like say something or just physically reach over and touch cards, which I did in Games of Fort, because I'm a monster. <laughs> so Fort does have that in common with Root. It's not necessarily... It's not complicated, it's just quite bitty. And sort of youthful theme aside, Fort is quite a multifaceted thing. So, are you two ready to learn how to play? I'm ready. Tell me how to play Fort. I Tell me how to play Fort, please. Get some Fort in my brain, please. I'm quite excited. You two are really, you two before we were recording were saying you were really excited to hear about Fort, weren't you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, um, in a sense, your turn in four is as simple as playing one kid from your hand and doing what is printed on that card. The game comes with this deck of, oh, I want to say like at least 60 kids, most of which have unique illustrations from Carl Ferrin. Uh, the kids all have different suits, which is things they're excited about. So there's the squirt gun kids, the shovel <laughs> kids, the skateboard kids, the bookish kids who I want to like, but are drawn with such like... Like you can tell Kyle Farron's a geek because the like it, no punches were pulled on the depiction of the bookish kids. Like they're oh, all people no. who you don't necessarily want in your deck. Um, and excellently, there's a sort of arts and crafts suit of kids which have the glue icon, but I cannot get away from the headcanon that those kids just sniff glue all the time. Those are the, <laughs> those are the dodgy kids. We don't talk about them. We, you do if you, if you want to steal them from your friends, which might happen. This is kind of, in a lot of ways, a game of kids being awful, but also sort of proactive and productive. So I don't know, swings and roundabouts. So when I, when I say on your turn, you're going to be playing a kid, I have the turn summary in front of me because this is how sort of like important the steps of... Uh, of this game are. So you start the game with a deck of kids, two of which are your best friends. Aww. Your best friends will never leave you. I know, it's great. The other eight kids in your deck, you may or may not want to get rid of them as fast as possible. <laughs> Don't give a crap about those kids. Get, get them out of here. You're my best friends. Out of the gate, I have to say the theme is perfect. Mm. Um, it's just to get like, as you'll see uh, how this works in just a moment. So on your turn, you're gonna play one kid from your hand, right? Um, and then the, the, immediately this gets a bit fussy because all the kids have two actions. One of which is a private action, um, which only you do when you play the kid. But the other one is a public action, which you can also do, but all the other players around the table can 
play a matching, discard a matching suit from their hand to do that same public action. So already part of uh, of Fort is like, if you have a bunch of bookish kids and then your friends don't because who would want to be friends with nerds, then that actually has an advantage and a drawback. The advantage being you can reliably play cards with your without your opponents hijacking your turns. So you can play cards with bigger effects. Downside, you might have a harder time getting in on their turns if you're hanging out with a bunch of bookish nerds and they're running around with squirt guns, um, if that makes sense. However, uh, then at the end of your turn, after playing a card, you're going to recruit a kid and you can recruit that kid from a sort of public shop of kids who hang who are hanging out in what's called the park. <laughs> or you can take kids from other people's yards. Because the way this works is that on your turn, you're going to play a kid. And you might also, before your turn begins, have discarded kids to get in on other people's turns. But any kids who are not your best friends, who are still in your hand, do what kids do when they're not involved in playtime, which is they get bored and start loitering, and then you have to put them in your yard. So a huge part of Fort is you might have a kid you want for later, and it's a question of, do you play a kid sub <laughs> It is a game of deciding, am I going to use this child suboptimally? Um, because then if I don't, they'll go in my yard and then my uh, opponents might get the opportunity to take that kid. Um, so lots of stuff like that. And then what I'm kind of trying to avoid describing is what these kids actually do because oh goodness gracious it's this is a race for the galaxy style game with loads of different little hieroglyphics you know kids can get you resources which are toys and pizza but there's other stuff like you might just a, a kid might give you as many pizzas as you discard kids of their suit like you know there might be a there's a there's a bookish kid called the chef whose art is fabulous it's just them uh, sat next to a microwave with a thumbs up <laughs> That's lovely. I want the chef. <laughs> it's so that we all wanted the chef. It was actually funny because the chef got stolen multiple times because no one was using the chef, but we all wanted the chef. Um, there's also very weird concepts like your pack. So as you're amassing these two resources, toys and pizza, which you use to upgrade your fort, which gives you access to special powers, you also, and this kind of summarizes why the game is not as accessible as it appears, your pack is basically like a memory drive or something because you have certain kids which enable you to take resources you have and put them in your pack why would you ever do that well the only reason why is because there are some kids that let you duplicate the entire contents of your pack back into your inventory or kids that give you victory points equal to the number of toys in your pack that kind of thing um there's also weird stuff like if you really don't like a kid you can bung them up a tree <laughs> and that might be quite good for you um <laughs> this, this is known as Oh, oh, I mean, if you add, it, there is a read of this game which is quite wholesome. Mm. And if you're me and my friends, there's a read of this game which is just truly, truly horrific. <laughs> so, um, th the lookout, the tree, is this thing where as you upgrade your fort, you can take more and more of these actions which enable you to permanently put cards up a tree. These cards are in your lookout, and then their suits count as if you had played those suits for all future actions. So, by now, probably, I'm hoping. Uh, you two can confirm this, but maybe I've described enough of the different things you can do, none of which are fully connected to see why this game's sort of a bit bitty and fragmented. Is it bitty and fragmented? Yeah, I, mm, I'm going to say it's a bit of a race for the galaxy type situation where your first game is going to be like this obstacle course of you like the, the play equivalent of like riding a bicycle across cobblestones as you go, wait, what's that? Wait, what? How do I, what? You know, a little bit of that kind of Vital Lacerda type thing. Um, but by the end of our first game, we'd really sort of got the play down. We enjoyed our first game. We had a good time. It was fascinating. However, just as my sort of like placeholder conclusion before we move on to the next game, I'm going to say that I feel myself leaning towards the same kind of conclusion I had with Root, where I feel like Fort is like a 10 out of 10 theme. 
10 out of 10 art design, and then I don't know where I land on the game yet. But that's still like a pretty superb sort of start for a game, and I'm really, really looking forward to playing more Fort. Um, but it would have to be with the same group. You know, that's that's the caveat. Like, that's the kind of... Later games have kind of done it again. It's a game where you... Your first game might be a little bit of a wash, and then future games are going to be better. Tom, you're the you're the site's sort of root expert. Is this sounding? Yeah, presumably, <laughs> this sound familiar. It sounds familiar. In but I'm interested. What I'd be interested to see is like whether Fort has the same thing that Root does, where in Root you develop strategies specific to the other players that you're playing against when they play as a specific faction. Right. And I wonder whether Fort will nullify some of that aspect by the virtue of everyone starting from roughly the same place rather than having that radical asymmetry. Oh, well, you know what? That's a great point because the thing about Fort that's interesting is that um, it's going to be very different in, from game to game, but only because the, of the kids that come out the deck in a different order. In fact, the setup of the game is just get your two best friends to ensure that you are all the same. You, They all ensure that you can always build your Fort. Mm. You will always have a build Fort action. Um, that kind of thing. You will always have one wild card to ensure you don't get left behind. But then the other eight kids in your deck might do anything. And in our game, that pack action I was describing didn't come out because we just didn't see kids that let you put thing in packs. Right. That knowledge was lost to the to some other corner of the schoolyard. <laughs> but that's part of the appeal. Like uh, rather than root being sort of very asymmetry in a very fixed way, uh, Fort feels designed in a way that. Uh, is going to be different from game to game purely based on the order in which cards come out. And now I'm going to throw to Ava because I'm wondering if it, any of this is sounding like Carl Chudik games at all. It's sounding a lot like Carl Chudik. It's sounding a lot in particular like a not a Carl Chudik game, but Eminent Domain, which I think we're going to talk about at a later time, which is uh, mm. one of these kind of... There's these games that are kind of do the thing and then you get to do several other things and if you can stack those cards together on either side then you're going to be doing that thing better and you've got to kind of claw your way through a certain type of efficiency yes being distracted by other exciting actions that you might never be able to pull off because you'll never make them strong enough Oh, that's exactly what it is, yeah. you know? it's This is a game where, even in our learning game, when we were sort of stumbling along, I think we all had a turn where we actually had to announce to the table, watch this, this is awesome. And it's like, you know, you play a bunch of spade cards at the same time in order to get, you know, to get like six points. And all the time that I filled my pack with pizza, which I can't even... Even as a mental image of like kids being like, oh, this is great. I'm going to insert this cooked pizza into my backpack is um, really charming. But I was able to duplicate my pack in a way that meant I got more resources in one turn than any of us could at any point. Um, but equally, there were combos that didn't land. So, yes, some definite sort of uh, Chudik DNA in the way you describe. Amazing. Do, unless you two had any further questions about Fort, because I know you were very excited. I'm just quite uh, excited about what you said there. Like in particular, that kind of like if there are turns where you go, Hey everybody, take a minute, watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bam, yeah, yeah. Bam, 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 bam. That is a great feeling. And if it's doing that in like quite an unusual context that's allowing that to kind of have a lot of back and forth and be based quite heavily on what other people are doing and finding way, it does sound like my jam. Like it sounds very up my street and yeah. Oh I am hyped. This is I will add this to the like arm length list of fun games we can play when we can all meet and be in the yes, same please. room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a sad list. Hey, let's talk about 18 Chesapeake. I, my word. That's not how that <laughs> sentence works. I don't care. 18 Chesapeake was the second 18xx game that I played. 18xx being a kind of whole subgenre of 
train games, right? They're just train games. You're building <laughs> just a route, train games. You're making them trains by the most, go to the most profitable cities. You get some money, but it's not. It's not. It's, this is a series of trains games where you play as investors in companies, and then companies build trains. And it's got a set of stock market bits and bobs that mean that you can do very, very weird things with it. Um, 18 Chesapeake in particular is one of the like recommended jumping on points for the series. I know that we've talked about 1889 on a podcast before. Um, and I have to say that one of my problems with talking about this right now is that it's very hard to distinguish what is different without sounding like so utterly nerdy like <laughs> i'm quite excited about the fact that in in chesapeake there's a couple of places that have two towns on and there's some tiles that fit on those towns that only work in particular ways and that changes the complete nature of your strategy <laughs> and what you're going to be doing in the game but that is the most tedious thing to talk about that whether a curve goes like a tight curve or a steep curve can make you go Ooh, <laughs> and then have to think for ages about a whether that's going to be good for your train company and b whether you want that train company to be doing well in the first place because you might be about to just drop it and ditch it but, but you know what i'm hearing that's like positive here is that this is only your second 18xx game and yet you you already seem to be into the like granular side of things of what's different from game to get like is this secretly a, a, a genre that you've onboarded yourself onto quickly um, no, I mean, I feel like I know barely anything about it. Like, I'm in a WhatsApp group with the people who I've played two games with now, and I've started a smaller game with a smaller bundle of people, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but um, it is... Oh. Are you a fraud? <laughs> Are you a trained I'm fraud? I'm in a WhatsApp either? group. Everybody's asking me, like, everybody's having these discussions. It's like, oh, yeah, we should definitely try 1846 because that's very, like, and then word salads of, like, <laughs> weird things about this game. And I'm like, okay. Like, there's a whole huge split between the community about whether you want, whether you prefer games which are mostly about screwing people in the stock market or mostly about yep. running an efficient company. So there's already, like, two halves of the genre that, are like, completely hate each other, as far as I can tell. <laughs> like, wow. So half of the games aren't going to be right for half of the people who want to play them in the first place. But, I, so I, I feel like I'm in, I'm in the shallow end. I'm in the shallow end, and I'm looking at it, and I'm still not entirely sure when I want to dive in. But I have spent two whole days playing games, and I'm now in an asynchronous game that I'm going to be playing slowly. And I am currently literally in the middle of doing, like, the most horrible thing... I have ever done in a board game ever. What? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, and it's just it's just something that couldn't happen in another game, and I think that that's interesting, isn't it? And it's a fairly common thing in 18xx, and it's the thing to like. I was warned to avoid getting myself into a position, but I'm about to like use one company. I hope the person who I'm about to do this to isn't listening to this. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to use one company um, to sell all of its trains to my other train company for all of its money just going to take all of the money to no buy a train off the other company for all of the money that i currently have and then dump that company on someone who is invested in it thinking that i'm going to build a train company and i'm going to make it good i'm going to say no i've taken all of the money you own naught pounds a rubbish train that's going to rust in a few turns <laughs> and uh it's yours now welcome to the presidency like that's a valid move and it's like it's taken my third game to have like the confidence in the game to be even willing to try it mm, and wow. because it, 
there's a lot of problems. I think, okay, there's two things I want to say about 18xx, maybe three, maybe four, but I'm trying to rush. Firstly, 18xx <laughs> games are not quite as intimidating as you think they are. They are cruel and you can mess up and you can do nasty things. But the core of the game is actually relatively straightforward if you've played. If you've played, like you, we mentioned Vita Vita Lacerda, this is any 18x game that I've seen so far, certainly these two beginner-ish games, is easier to learn than Nisbala, for example. Right. You're going to have a lot less trouble actually getting your head around the rules. Um, the second thing is that's partly because you'll feel like you're not playing the game properly like i keep on running a really good train company and losing uh, and not quite knowing why even though i'm doing just as efficient as possible so that's why i've had to turn to like being incredibly mean um <laughs> which i i kind of hate myself for um the other thing i want to say about 18x games is that i would really recommend uh because obviously i'm playing with a load of people who i can't see because you can't see a lot a lot of people and couldn't get into a room with six people and play a game about trains all day um and there is a wonderful little website just for 18xx games called conveniently 18xx.games <laughs> oh my functional word, does it take all of the faff out of the game like having everything is like clean displays clean digital display like i was saying during my first game like if I played this in real life, I would want to have a computer running the game <laughs> beside me so that I always had like a quick display of what was going on. Because I think that some of the stuff that I'm not seeing is the kind of huge density of having a market board that's got all of these steps and numbers and remembering how to move. What sometimes selling shares mean they go down, but doing something else means they go left. And that's. Oh, <laughs> oh I hate it's that. So, that was. Yeah. And it's all very specific and very interesting, but if you've got something that's just like taking that level out of it, which could just be someone who knows the game really well and is willing to talk you through absolutely everything, then it becomes a much easier process. And it is like I've been playing, you know, I've been playing on a few uh, web based um, web based board game sites recently. And this is the only one that A doesn't look like bums and <laughs> B um just oh it's just so smooth everything about it is so like smooth and easy to do and yeah and it just gives you that information and it knows that the game is all about those numbers it, and it makes those numbers really prominent and really clear and oh that's great yeah so i highly recommend that if you are curious and apparently it's got a very very nice community i've only been playing with a specific group of people um but i've been told that the community there are really nice and welcoming and up for up for playing about so yeah. up for having a play with the train yeah I, th I, th I think i'm learning now that the board game media is like pushing nobly into 18xx that th this is a genre that i think a lot of us on the outside assume is about trains but it's not it's like this when people talk about what's exciting about the game it's always this corporate management stock manipulation asset you know, trading thing that happens to have a vestigial railroad thing attached. You know, it, it's almost like I was just, I'm very excited for games like City of the Big Shoulders to take some of the, to carve out the stock, you know, like credit crunchy element and then lift it into something that isn't literally the nerdiest theme in board games. <laughs> oh, but trains are lovely. Trains are lovely. <laughs> I, like, I like trains. It's just like, why does this genre have to be 
the most heavy duty train simulation and the most heavy duty corporate I do, simulation. I don't think that that's true though. I don't think it is the most heavy duty train simulation. I think the train game of it is actually quite straightforward. Right. And that's kind of the core of it, is that like we've got a relatively straightforward bit of this so that you can have a sense for how companies are doing and what people are going to be doing. And then the other side is the more important. But like I was saying earlier, there's a whole host of people for who that isn't what 18x games are about. Like there are games that are designed to not really care about the stock side. Like it's still in there because it has to be in there. It wouldn't be an 18xx game without. <laughs> it's got two it. ingredients, two ingredients only. Two ingredients, but some people make it so that like your lemon and herb chicken is just lemon and herbs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> It's when you really know you're in a geeky subculture is when you just want to ask the question, what is this genre? And the answer is, well, it depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I have been having fun with it. I um, I slightly preferred 1889 to 18 Chesapeake, but I think there's not a huge amount to, to call it. And my understanding is that 18 Chesapeake has a nice pretty box available at the moment, whereas 1889 is hopefully coming to Kickstarter fairly soon. Oh, nice. Um, uh, which should be nice because I think it is the. It was a nice jumping on point, um, but yeah. But those and some much more complicated eighteen XX games are available for free online, completely legitimately, with permission of all of the uh, designers, to, is my understanding. Um, and yeah, I think it's 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 been an interesting experience, and for a huge game that takes a day, it's. A weird mix. I mean, it's incredibly stressful. I was about to say it's quite a mellow day, <laughs> but it's not. I spend the entire time going, oh, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I've done this wrong. And that's when I'm doing an ace job of running a really good train company and just going, oh, I'm sure that there's something I've missed. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really quite content letting other people in the board game press play these games for me. Right up to the point that we're no longer playing these digital adaptations and I'm watching my friends play with poker chips which the genre uses an enormous amount of right so as soon as that happens i'm gonna be jealous yeah <laughs> yeah well it was uh, the time when we were able to do it with real poker chips and i'm worried i'm worried that i haven't actually understood enough of the game to actually be able to play this in person like i worry that i'm here on a board game review site actually recommending a website that lets you play a board game that uh, is essentially i don't i don't know i have complicated feelings about it it's not going to be for everyone it is cruel it is it's it's not as complicated as you think but it's very hard to, like it's not as complicated as you think to play and to start on but playing <laughs> well feeling like you're playing well feeling like you've got any confidence in what you were doing oof, i've just got no idea i've just got no idea sounds a little bit like go uh speaking of go let's go, go on to our next game which is yokohama that uh tom <laughs> doing my comedy stilted like pronunciation does not it's like the worst possible thing for you knowing when to come in i apologize this is a game i should first and foremost say that shut up it has not covered yet this is within board game geeks top 100 we didn't cover it because uh it was out of print for a long time but now we're making up for last time tom how would you describe yokohama i will describe it quickly uh yokohama <laughs> um is it's we played this on BGA. Uh, it's designed by Hisashi Hiyashi and published by Okazu Brand and Tasty Minstrel Games. And it's one of those games where the uh, 
implementation of it on board game arena is total spreadsheet like the list of resources on the right panel when you open the game is absolutely baffling and there's all these tiles and there's sub management panels and menus and my goodness it's a lot however we were taught uh, by ava uh, and you managed to link these things together in such a way that we eventually arrived at a horrible swamp of possibilities to wade through <laughs> for the next three hours um, what you've got on Yokohama is this triangle of little miniature boards. Um, and these are all locations you can visit and interact with uh, the systems in the game at. And most of the game has you dropping these assistants onto the board, these little uh, cubes in your color. And on your turn, you can either drop two of them in one place or one of them in three different places. And then you want this big president meeple down afterwards on one of those spaces That'll, and that will let you take the action associated with it. Um, and importantly, each of these boards has its own track going from one to five on it that's going to show you what action you can take if you put that many assistants onto it. I'm j I feel like I'm doing a bad job explaining it to just you no. two, let alone the audience at home, <laughs> and you've played the game. Um, anyway, so... The fabulous thing about live the stuff is the only way out is through. <laughs> so it's like sort of very Shawshank Redemption in describing board games. So the important... Yeah, the important thing with having those five spaces is that... So for example, if you had three assistants on the brick space, that might make you like three bricks. But if you have four, that's going to make you four bricks. So the more assistants, the merrier. And there's a bonus that if you have four on there, you can build a building. And if you've got five, you take an extra bonus tile. And the buildings will count as assistance in later rounds. And my goodness, it's all a lot. So most of the game is in sewing these little assistant cubes across the various locations to then reap them later on and utilize them for these big bucks uh, actions that are going to be hugely efficient. Um, the max because at base, the max you can put somewhere is only three. So if you want that four or five bonus, which is going to give you a building or an extra thing, you're going to need to do a little bit of pre-planning. But the real puzzle, <laughs> that's the first layer, is like sewing these assistants down. The next layer is through the crinkles that are produced by other players. Because that big triangle of spaces, bum, 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 are all connected to each other adjacently. So if you want to move your... Um, when you place your president meeple down to take an action, if you want to move it from one space to the next, you've got to move it across like a raft of assistance to be delivered at their final location and bestow upon you three silk, for example. Um, and if you go through someone else's space, if they've got a president there, you're going to have to pay them money. And we, I think that as the game was being taught, Quinns, you said, oh, money looks a bit scarce, doesn't it? And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. And then on like turn 30, I'm just going, oh my God, I need to pay Matt $1 and I'm not going to be able to do it because he's, ah. And it just becomes this I, kind of crazy nightmare of positioning. I think the main, like the one point I'd add, like it's not just money that's scarce. It's like you have these like, in board game arena like you say it's like you have 20 different resources <laughs> yes. which eventually makes sense and at different points in my game i think i was broke i was it was a game where in like the two hours we played i was broken 20 different ways <laughs> at different points in the game yeah it's it's so possible to like you can see like an a to b of where you need to go and what resources you need but then getting their hinges on other resources that you're also always going to be scarce in because you're casting too wide a net it always feels like the best plan is to put three of those little uh, assistants down so you've got lots of options should things go awry and you've got lots of possibilities and 
you know, you're having these long-term plans. But the game is is spinning so many plates at once that you start to forget your own plans because there are so many resources you need to balance. Um, if that makes uh, sense. It's really it interesting, just... isn't it? Because there's like a kind of push and pull between you can spread yourself thinly, you can mm. dollop a big bit into one space, and you're doing this onto something that isn't just a flat board because, I mean, it is literally a flat board, but like <laughs> there's landscape everywhere where like something tempting you in a different direction that's like, oh, I can do that or I could do it in a turn and then I would actually be able to do it like twice as much and it would let me build a thing and it would get me this bonus that would set me up for there. But if I do that later... What am I going yeah. to do now? Can I do that efficiently? Oh, yeah, I know. I'll go there. Oh, no, but wait. If I do that in two turns... <laughs> yeah. uh, and you just mean... pulled in all of these directions and everything is so tempting. There's so many little, like, tasty treats hidden on this, like, kind of ridiculous pile of digital cardboard. The thing that got me, like, so excited was when I realised that, you know, if you, do, if you get enough assistance on a space when you finally, pop, trigger that action, whether it's, you know, fishing or... You know, we haven't actually described where this is. This is a game set in sort of like 19th century Japan where your merchants running around and talking to foreign agents and stuff like that, trying to be the best merchants. Um, but it was the way that if you do a space big enough, like Tom says, you get to put down a house and then that house counts as an assistant. So forever, not only did you do a really cool action now, but that space is always going to be better for you. It was only by the end of our game that I realized the trap that is, because if you like do a huge fishing action and get a million fish and now you have a, a shop on that fishing space, not a house, it's a shop. Um, <laughs> yes, fishing is better, but fishing is probably the last thing you need right now. You're swimming in fish. You've got thousands of them and nowhere to spend them. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had exactly that problem where I just got a ton of bricks and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be the brick king this game. And then very soon after was like, I have fulfilled all the contracts with bricks in them. And now I just need silk. And like now it's time to die. Yeah, absolutely. It's just there's obviously this mad like combo potential. Like Ava, you took a turn where you went from a point or something. I was like, yeah, we're doing, we're doing fine here. I'm, I'm getting loads <laughs> of points to like 60 in a go, which felt like nonsense. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. I've never had anything like that happen to me in a game before, but I just got so stuck trying to do things efficiently that I ended mm. up hoarding this enormous pile of resources. So when I finally got to the right, I'm just trying to get that achievement, which means that I need to have five copper in hand, but it's taken me forever to get it. So I'm just going to go over there and I finally, and then someone was in my way and then, I, <laughs> and then I went and did some other things in the meantime. And then someone was in my way and then I went into, and when I finally got there and finally found a way to get that amount of bricks up, I then looked at my hand and was like, wait a second <laughs> i've now got everything like you know you were saying you went broke and everything i was so wealthy that i was able to take like fulfill all of the orders in my hand use a foreign agent to go and which gave me a foreign agent which let me go and get some new orders fulfill all of those and complete all of the achievements in one turn which yeah. wasn't ideal because we were doing them after everyone else and if i'd been pursuing them more directly i would have got slightly more points out of it but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It it teases you with these things, and then occasionally you've just got like wham, and then and then after that, because I just used up all of my goods, had no idea what to do from then on. It was like, oh no. <laughs> um, but there is always something like they, uh, there's all there's. Too, I think there's too many moving parts in this. I think that there's an amount of faff in teaching it that adds uh, too much grit and makes it too hard to. I don't know. I do really love it though. It's, I feel complicated. 
You know, if I was looking for a, a really quick and dirty conclusion, um, the thing we haven't said is that much of the DNA of Yokohama is the same as uh, award-winning family game Istanbul, um, with you sort of managing not just your player piece, which is running around a town to try and make money, but also leaving behind assistants who are helping you to do your job. Um, but where Istanbul, I always thought the base game of Istanbul is almost just a little too light for me. Yokohama doesn't kill Istanbul in the way I heard, but it is like a little too many bits. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the te- technology cards, contracts. Uh, I've made, actually, that's all I could think of. So that just makes me sound like an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, you have to, there's, there's technology and contracts. But I mean, there's also like the achievements, foreign there's agents. the church track, foreign agents, and like the export track. It was funny in our game, because of the randomized setup, the church was just on the edge of town. So I spent the entire game hoping that I would be the only person who ever went to church, thereby making. <laughs> Making me the most religious person in the town <laughs> didn't happen ava saw that coming a mile off <laughs> oh that was just that i ran out of things to do and i was like well i guess i've got a little bit of stuff i could give to god now <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that, well I, yeah i would say I, that there's so much to do in the game there's so many different places you can go and there are too many gritty bitty little systems but ultimately i think because there's no like upkeep in the game and there's no real kind of element of savagery things are just delayed by a turn you're still you know arguably someone blocking your way just means well that's another turn for me to gather even more resources to do one superpower move so to me like the bittiness of it means that you have the ceiling to do these crazy combos but also you have like a kind of a solid floor as well if that makes sense because you can't possibly keep them all in your head at once so you don't feel bad when you don't but when you do it's really cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's a it's a it's a game of cool turns yeah, isn't absolutely. it like of really because everything you do it's because it takes so long to build up assistance on a space ideally you're doing you know heavy actions every turn which means every turn is the result of three turns of work yeah. but it's relatively simple work right yeah you tell me you were halfway through our game and said you might buy it yeah imagine that i absolutely i i think that it's a complex mad salad of a game that i would totally actually kind of want to buy i think that it, it, the digital implementation is fantastic but i want it in front of me it's got lovely graphic design and i think that there's something about that like mad super possibilities but a soup that never becomes too word i can't think of a good adjective it's the <laughs> perils of live podcasting uh, we all we all kind of felt where you were going yeah, with that good, uh, good. how about you Ava? you've been playing this a few times I've, I've played this quite a bit and i do i think it's really solid and i'm really happy to play again and i would probably consider buying it i don't know i don't know whether i'll be rushing out to get it but i am <laughs> very 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 tempted to play more of it like for me like there's a thing i think about in games which is the faff to fun ratio like and the faff faff is really high in this game but the fun is also yeah. really high in this game and i think it is mostly worth it i just don't want to have to teach it to people who aren't definitely really going to be up for learning something really (laughs) naughty and i think that that's the thing that holds it back is i think it would go on my shelf and i would look at it and every time i was like oh we should play this it's great and then i'd look around me and i'd be like i don't want to put you through having to learn this thing this beast and that's that's quite fun but it is great it is great. I don't want to be too hard on it, but I—I I mean, it's pretty. Because I, I, I do still love Istanbul. I think if you if you buy light stuff, then I would absolutely say you know start with Istanbul. Now play mm. it. Maybe get the coffee expansion if you like that. But if you're st- if you feel like you've just gotten it, you've just started to get excited. I was gonna use a poorly chosen sexual analogy there. Didn't so <laughs> so that's congratulations. Good. Um, 
Thanks, Tom. <laughs> um, but yeah, then if you want something a bit beefy, then Yokohama could be really good. I couldn't couldn't help but feel we played a four player game and loved it. it. Might be, I think I might agree with Board Game Geek that which says that three players is the sweet spot sure. just to make it a little faster. Yeah. And two, um, two would actually be super interesting as well because I feel like blocking would just be such a huge thing in a two-player game. Um, I would love to play it with two. Well, uh, next time. So, <laughs> next time. Uh, we've been, uh, it's been suggested that we wrap this up. So uh, we are going to do that. However, I've been excited to talk to Tom about a game called uh, <clears throat> 5D Chess with Multiverse Time Travel, which is precisely as mad as it says. So I think uh, because... It's going to fall out my ear. If you download the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast after listening to this, you will get to hear me and Tom talk about 5D chess with multiverse time travel. Tom, how would you describe this game in about 10 seconds? Ah, uh, help. It's time to wrap up travel. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Nailed it. Thank you all very much for listening to what was almost certainly the most professional episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast yet. Uh, you are all stars for uh, bearing with us while we handled a bunch of technical problems. Thank you very, very, very much. And thank you to the UK Games Expo for hosting us. And thank me and Ava. And that's it. (laughs) Okay, talk about 5D chess. On your own, then. <laughs> no, no, no. Ah, uh, thank you very much. I think it might be time for us to hang out the Skype call now. I don't know how to end the stream. Bye, Bye. everybody. <laughs> so, in this shut up and sit down after show, uh, post post live session, we're going to talk about five D chess, which is, as you might expect, chess but with more dimensions than it should have. I'm not going to bury the lead here. I think chess should always have five dimensions. I think that the 5D aspect was the strongest thing, the best thing to happen since sliced chess. Oh, goodness gracious. How do you even begin to describe this? This is a Steam game, right? (laughs) This is a Steam game called 5D Chess with Multiverse Time Travel. And I immediately have a problem with it because it's not five dimensions, is it? Because chess is a two-dimensional game. Wait, yes. Chess is a (laughs) two-dimensional game. But this on a has three-dimensional board played in four yeah. dimensions. Therefore, there's one extra dimension. Ooh. But not. But this is a video game, so it's own, it's a two-dimensional video game. So oh, it's yeah, two dimensions. No, that's, that collapses it back down. Yeah, it should be four D chess. Wait, shouldn't it be three D chess? Because it's two dimensions of the game, and then the third dimension is time travel. No, because time, time. You are playing it in a time, and that's a dimension in and of itself. Oh right, yeah. So it's it's. T- <laughs> Right, so it's 4D chess, technically, but it's called 5D chess. This is maybe the best intro for any game we've ever done. (laughs) It was clear and concise. We're in the after show party, and I feel like a little chaos imp. Possibly you should kick (laughs) me out of this (laughs) guy. So, Tom, I've downloaded 5D chess with multiverse time travel on my computer. Is this just chess? What should I expect? Okay. So when you start playing 5D chess, you uh, will be taking just standard chess moves. You might be like, hey, I'll move my pawn two spaces forward. Oh, I'll do a little horsey move. How about that? And then you realize, because you each space you can move is highlighted in green. And you click on your little horse. You're like, I'm going to move it two forward and one right, aren't I? Yeah, you could do that. Or you could move it two forward and one left. 
in time. And then, <laughs> so your <laughs> your normal move has now turned into your horse moving two forward, and then one back in time. So that and what that does, because as you continually found frustration in, there are no paradoxes in 5D chess with multiverse time travel. A rule that I kept having to tell you and you kept going, that doesn't make sense until it did. <laughs> yeah. But it goes back in time and it will create a new dimension in which you now have three knights and the original dimension only has, or original timeline only has one horse. This all makes sense. So the ultimate goal of... 5d chess is to check your opponent's king just like in normal chess but just in in one of the many timelines and of course that's difficult <laughs> because the king isn't you know you, just like any other piece the king can also move into different timelines so you'll need to preempt that and be able to checkmate that king by having something in that timeline before the king even <laughs> arrives in that timeline so you're ready to check at a moment's notice it is but, I mean, it does make sense only after your head stops hurting. Yeah, I think this is probably the most I've laughed playing a board game online in quarantine. And it's not an, a digital adaptation of a board game. I mean, I, I guess it is. <laughs> but it's a video game first. and It's presented as a video game, yes. as video game software first and foremost. Goodness gracious. So, like, the way... First off, I love this because it immediately makes chess so evocative for me because I can't help but think of it like, you know terminator or edge of tomorrow or any movie where someone goes back in time because it's this thing of like if you take your queen you know you free them up and then rather than the queen dashing forward across the board the queen dashes forward and then goes back in time so now there's a timeline where could we should clarify every time you send a piece back in time and it creates another timeline those are then multiple games of chess where you you have to take all those moves on yes. your turn so we had this lovely thing where we played um one game where Tom was in a bad position, so started sending good pieces back in time, which of course meant my position got even better because now Tom had less pieces, but it meant that he created a timeline where I was like way outnumbered <laughs> by, by like all like four knights and two queens and all of this nonsense. So it became this race as to whether I could check Tom in the timeline he was hemorrhaging units from or whether he could check me in the timeline where he outnumbered me. Yeah. Yes. Because you can yes. you can choose. This is what's crazy is that we played two games of this. We or maybe even three. So we should have a pretty firm handle on on how it works. <laughs> but I'm worried about this podcast going live. People being like, actually, that's not how five D chess works. And I'm like, oh yeah, of course. But if I'm if I'm correct in this, we found out that you can either take moves in the present or you can like you, if you create a new timeline <laughs> that starts way 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 back in the past. Like the split point is like ten turns before the present. Oh my goodness. You can take moves in that timeline until you catch up to the present. So yeah, it's like this mad race to like check you before the inevitable onslaught of your oh, units yeah, captures yeah. my king. Um, yes. But we also discovered that if you t move a unit in the present, like the now, but there's a strip on the board in, oh, sorry, we should also, if you, it's worth Googling what this game looks <laughs> yeah. like because what it looks like is every time you make a move in chess, it creates a new board showing that mm. move, which means that you create, if you were just playing normal chess, it would be visualized as a very long line of chess boards. And then every time you create a new timeline, it creates a fork in that line of chess boards. So you're now looking at two parallel lines of chess boards like train tracks. But I've seen screenshots where there are like 20 timelines yeah. if people continue messing with time. Um, but oh my god what I was going to say and by the way this is the game that of all the games I've ever talked about on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast every sentence I say right now feels like it's wrong <laughs> um, 
But if you take a move in the present, which is a, a vertical strip along the horizontal trip, strip representing time, if you move something from the present to another timeline that's also in the present, it doesn't create a new timeline because something's just essentially teleporting from the present in one timeline and then appearing in the other timeline without creating a new timeline. Yes. Yes. I, 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 sure I, I want to look thing. at Ava's webcam right now to see if they're even still there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make a noise that is the face, but I don't know. I'm like, so I, I think I, I've, I have seen a screenshot of this. And from seeing a screenshot of this, I was like, okay, I can kind of understand. So you can do things. So it splits the timeline. What What I don't understand. So I just assumed that like on your turn, you would be get to move one piece. But it sounds no. like... That's correct. No. But you get to move one piece in every timeline. You have to be the same piece yes. in every timeline. No. No. <laughs> no. Come on, it's okay, so no. easy, Ava. Come on. Like. <laughs> so my, my turn could be, be me taking like 20 turns in different timelines yes. of the game. Yes, yes, yes. That's, but that's the... But I, I said this in our game. every one, presumably, because it's no, got to move because, the, No, because... Well, uh, but, well uh, you'd think so. <laughs> but what we discovered to our joy is that if there's moments, if there's games in the past that have not yet caught up to the present, then you don't have to... Basically, you don't have to take your turn if that timeline is ahead of all future timelines. You can, but like if you're if you're losing and it's the future, the game doesn't force you to keep playing the future because instead the game lets you play the past until it's caught up right. to the Right, so there is a present. There, there yes. is a concept yes. of the present that exists and different rules are your before or after that. Exactly. Yeah. It's a rectangle that says that literally has the present written on it <laughs> that runs across your monitor. And can the timelines kind of recombine at all? Or do, once you've split out, are you now definitely There's, no, there's no going back. As far no as, I mean, back. we never managed to deftly resync timelines in a, in a fashion, you know, <laughs> that would make any sense. Uh, it was just a slow... I love how it goes from one point and it just fans outwards into this horrible kind of like hydra of chess... Um, oh, it's so funny. It's like the it was so good when I was in the one game we played where briefly I was just flat out beating Tom at normal chess. <laughs> and then as Tom realized he was in trouble, uh, he just kept making new timelines. It's just like, it's just, okay, so I had to start memorizing it. Like, okay, this is the timeline where I'm winning. I'm losing in this one. I have no idea what's going on in this one. And then it's the thing of like, if I don't know what's happening in this timeline, because... In creating a new timeline, Tom was duplicating the number of chess pieces in play. Mm. So technically, Tom was also... Nothing stopped me. If Tom's creating multiple timelines, I, if I'm confident that I can beat Tom in that first light, timeline, Tom is essentially creating duplicates of my knights, bishops, queens, all the good stuff that I could send back into timeline A <laughs> because now there's more. I have more assets that I can play with. Is this making sense? I say, is this making sense? None of this makes any <laughs> sense. <laughs> I found myself kind of labeling each timeline by kind of like almost like a nickname depending on what pieces were in it. And I was like, oh yeah, this is the quad queen jamboree where everyone's just kind of chilling out and having a good time. And then this is the pocket dimension where all the kings go to hide because things are out for them in other dimensions. That's the best, by the way, that when you realize like it's the it's the one two realization of one. Oh my god! Whenever my king's in check, I can just send it into a different timeline, and I've now created a game of chess where I have no king and cannot lose. 
and it's like you think you feel like a you know, galaxy brain moment <laughs> and then you realize all you've done is made a game of chess where you have two kings <laughs> and not only that you have a game of chess where you have two kings and the queen that was pursuing your king in dimension a can just hop on over into dimension b at a moment's notice it's just <laughs> awful and it's so like, funny it's, i love how my favorite feature the whole thing just the thing that elevates it above just being a game and turns it into a comedy is the music which there isn't much of but the music that is in the game are just little um orchestral flourishes mainly kind of like low drums like rumbling timpani and that kind of thing <laughs> and my favorite thing is that when you do a good move it's like I'm a master strategist, but it happens when you do a bad move as well. So you're like, I have sent my knight into the past. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I've lost. <laughs> like, it's just great. It's so, so good. Oh, Tom, do you remember what else we were cracking up about? Which was um, when you're in check, a red icon <laughs> with an exclamation mark appears and you go, oh, that's, that's fine. But it looks clickable. And if you click on it, it immediately turns into this spaghetti of arrows pointing at all the possible... It, it immediately highlights in a way that it never does when you're normally playing all the ways that king could be killed. So it's this wow. weird thing of, of showing you not just why you're in check from this knight, but it immediately points back into the past and goes, of course, if you were to send this king back in time, you're going to get murked by this pawn. <laughs> and like, so it's this weird thing of like, you press a button, it goes, you've lost nine different ways. <laughs> <laughs> Does it like? Does it stand up? Does it feel like you're playing a solid thing that you could get good at, or is it a? This is a silly thing that I want to explore for a little bit and then go. Ha! Do you remember that time we travelled through time? Time. <laughs> I mean, to me, I think I struggled with it a lot. Like I was sort of creating multiple timelines because for goofs, and also because like I feel like there's so many ways. You know, when you click on that thing and there's a, there's a spider of different options that show you every single way that you're screwed, <laughs> you realize that, like, oh, if, like, you were playing against a grandmaster at this game, you would be, like, smeared across the floor in, like, seconds if you had a big enough brain to do that. I don't think anyone does have a brain quite big enough to comprehend the literal millions of possibilities that spill out of those boards. But this is this is when it actually worked for me and the reason the, the moment I went from this is a silly bit of fun mm. to I actually really like this and if in some weird universe this was the only game I had I would play it a lot um, <laughs> was you don't have to play on a normal size chessboard you know like a lot of the sort of fun chess like games like uh, Chesh I really like and then there's really bad chess and there's some other games that are really good that do fun stuff with chess in 5D chess the Steam application you can play on a bigger, crazy, stupid board, but you can also play on a tiny board. And the game that Tom and I are really talking about, we've we played kind of a disastrous game on a full-size chessboard where it was just like, it was like, I don't know, children trying to read a physics textbook. <laughs> but then when we, we then played on a chess a chessboard, which was just like, like four spaces by six spaces. It was, so, yeah, it was, yeah, five. There was one line of middle oh, there spaces. Was one, oh, four by five or five yeah, by yeah. five, yeah. So, and we all had, we had then like four or five pawns each and then one knight, one bishop, one king, one queen. And at which point it's so tight that the time travel element became a mechanic we could think about as opposed to just a, this additional dollop of complicated source on yeah, yeah, yeah. rules pasta. That, sound, that sounds good. That sounds good. And I think, I feel like there's a, there's a hint in some of what you've said that like sounds like, like the reason I hate chess like controversial <laughs> opinion as a board game reviewer i hate chess because whenever i play it i get to a point i normally lose i'm not great at it 
but all I feel like has happened is not that I'm not great at chess, but that I didn't pay enough attention to the possibility space. Yeah. Like I did, I, I know that, oh, I should have seen that. I, obviously, I should have seen that coming. It's perfect information. I should have, I know when I did that, that that, and it just feels like I've failed to think about it hard enough. Mm. Whereas this sounds like it just makes it impossible to think about. Yeah. In a way that, kind of could get me excited again if you play but it on, also, the, full board, on the other sure. hand you can play on a tiny board and shrink it down to like a much smaller more precise puzzle puzzle that you're then presumably immediately smearing out across 10 timelines and yeah but that's okay because you're playing this tiny tic-tac-toe version of chess across 10 yeah. timelines which are all all different by necessity um what but what i was going to say actually is it when we played on that tiny board it made me realize something which is that it's kind of crap that we get people to learn chess on the full-size board because obviously I just reviewed Go and then the first thing they say in Go is play on a smaller board. No, even smaller. And then you gradually build up to a full board. And when we were playing 5D chess on this child's 5x5 five five board or whatever <laughs> it was, I was like, I like chess now. You know, when you shrink it to the size of Onitama yeah. and yeah. you know one of, the, one of those tiny little tactics games, it becomes like something you can absorb without prior knowledge of the game. Yeah. And there's a really nice, the game doesn't have a tutorial, so to speak of, but it does have a series of puzzles. And it so elegantly kind of like shows you, because I remember I, I played a little bit of those puzzles before our game a few days like when I bought the game and was just intrigued by the ways that it was making you think, rethink chess at like a fundamental level that I thought was super refreshing as someone who mm. hasn't played that much chess, but already finds it to be like quite tiresome. But the way like, it just shows you things and you and you're like, ah, oh, that's really clever. Playing it as a puzzle game is almost better than as a competitive game. Being able to think through these individual little problems and work them out within the game systems rather than kind of being surprised by the absolute nonsense that someone throws at you is, I think, that's probably the way that I would want to play it going forward. Of course, like, I don't know if I will because it's madness, but still, <laughs> I you might know give what, it a Tom go. Thinking about the way you, in our games, created timelines just like, you know, for, for, for goofs, like you say, <laughs> that you've made me realize like that, that takes the worst moment in chess, which is being in check, which is just sort of your opponent saying, I'm better than you and try and get out of this, but wriggling out of it's really unpleasant. And at that point, mm. you're not enjoying the game anymore. But 5D chess gives you that huge release valve of, oh, I'm in check or oh, I'm losing. I'll just make a new timeline. And it's yeah. like to have that opportunity to do something so fun that you know is going to annoy your opponent <laughs> and force them to think just to get the win. Like it's, it turns the worst moment in chess into potentially the funnest moment. Yeah. it's You can just put your imminent doom on the back burner and mm. think about something else. You'd be like, no, 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 no. Abandon the timeline I was losing. Let's go again. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it'll never uh, let you get too comfortable in that because ultimately, like, you know, that timeline will be doomed because they can always send, you know, cumulatively your mistakes add up to a point where you crash and the, the hubris is even larger because when you click on that, you know, say they just won a game of chess, you'd be like, oh yeah, you know, you, you got beaten once. But as you say, if you spill out into multiple timelines, that last slide was like, oh yeah, we've beaten you in 19 different dimensions <laughs> with 20 different pieces. Do you feel bad now? Oh, we should also mention, like, Tom and I only haven't played much of this, but uh, we played just enough because we loaded up a, a large board. I forget the what was. Do you remember the code name of it, Tom? Because all the different boards have names, and this one was like intimidation or too much I, or something. I thought that you were uh, referring to 
um the when you said do you remember the code for it the way that you log into games of oh. 5d chess which is when you create a private match you set a passcode the passcode is not words it's chess pieces so i'm like oh yeah quins you can join my game it's uh black bishop white knight white knight black rook white knight black queen it's <laughs> like ah, it, okay cool it's the most demented game with no <laughs> sense of humor i like but no what i was gonna say is when you load up a maybe it does have a sense of humor i don't know but the larger chess boards if you want to just go completely mm. you know balls to the wall um have other pieces we loaded up immediately say like, oh we have three rows of pieces and then we realized oh we don't just have knights we have unicorns and dragons <laughs> and we we did not even play enough of that game to find out what they do because as soon as we saw the range of pieces i think i think it might have been me who went nope and then suggested <laughs> we play on the tiny board yes i feel like the point at which i'm not happy enough just saying oh yeah we're gonna make chess happen in multiple timelines <laughs> you're saying also no, I want there to be unicorns. <laughs> and like, all I'm saying... It's a bold move for chess. That's all I'm... Yeah. <laughs> a new direction. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's got hidden depth. That's all I'm saying about uh, 5D chess, or to use its full name, 5D chess with multiverse time travel. Uh, well worth, I think... What do you think, Tom? you think it's worth paying for? I think it's worth... If you've got a friend uh, to dive into the, the madness, then go for it. And if you think that the systems sound exciting, then playing it for the puzzles might actually be quite rewarding as well. So I think I, you know, it's not that expensive. It's a fun time. I think I'd rec, I'd, I'd give it one thump, shut up and sit down recommends badge. That's right. <laughs> I've stolen it. <laughs> you did it on the podcast. That's not canon. <laughs> That's and... not how it works. But you know what? You know what? If the next generation wants to leave uh, the foundation of this website in tatters that's fine I'm not <laughs> bitter in any way we should probably wrap this up because we've been recording for an awfully long time and I just felt a bead of sweat roll down my back uh, uh, do you two have anything exciting planned for the rest of the evening uh, I'm gonna have one alcoholic beverage and go to sleep <laughs> Saturday night congratulations on getting through your first live podcast Tom Thank you. I mean, the, the live bit, I didn't speak much. The not live bit, I spoke more. 10 out of 10 would do it. Coincidence? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, sort of. Ava, how about yourself? I'm mostly going to bed. I am on the tired side. It's been Aww. a good long day. Well, it's time um, to say nighty night to the cast of the Shut Up and Sit Down <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We're I've... all getting tucked up into bed. Tom, Tom, is is your bedroom light still on? Good night, Tom Brewster. Good, good night, good night, guys. Good night, Ava. <laughs> good night, Quins. Good night, Tom. <laughs> Tom, I can't hear you. This really has a delirious energy. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> good night. Tom, good night, say good night. Good night, Quins. Good night. Good night, Ava. Good night, Quins. Good night, Quins. And good night, you, the listener. Good night. night, listener. Good night, listener. <laughs> Tom, you did, did, oh, wow. Let's just kill it. It's over. Kill it. It's done.